And now, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. He's a successful entrepreneur, published author, top listing agent, a real estate and finance expert that goes to bat for you every day as a consumer advocate. Your host and the consumer quarterback, Brandon Rimes. That's right. This is the Consumer Quarterback Show with Brandon Rimes. Brandon is out today. My name is James DeGerome. I'm a producer here on the Consumer Quarterback Show. Well, one of the producers, along with Jose and Johnny, you're going to get to know those folks as you watch the Consumer Quarterback Show. This is a consumer advocate program. We've rounded up a bunch of consumer uh, experts and they take time out of their busy day to come in and provide some knowledge and information to make your dollar go farther in the marketplace right here in Tampa Bay. We've collected some great sponsors. And again, Brandon owns the Platinum MVP real estate team. So we're going to pitch some properties throughout the show. Any of those that you're interested in, please get in touch with Brandon. You can check out ConsumerQB.com, get a feel for our sponsors and our expert contributors, as well as review some of the properties. And I certainly want to encourage everybody to check out our YouTube channel. Uh, again, search Brandon Rhymes or the Platinum MVP team, Consumer Quarterback Show on YouTube, and you'll get to see all the shows. Of course, we stream the show live. we got the show on the radio. we got the show on TV. It's everywhere. Smart TV owners can find us on Binge TV Networks. So we're going out of our way to provide that to you because we feel there's great value in the Consumer Quarterback Show. On today's show, we've got some great uh, contributors. Fred Muth from Tampa Screens and Aluminum, a longtime uh, expert contractor in the area, is going to come on and talk to us. One of our newer clients, uh, John Genoa from Designer Cuts Tree and Lawn, is going to be on at the end of the show as well. So great show for you today. I'm going to introduce you to our sponsor for this this segment, it is Veteran Gutters. You know, Brandon Porter owns Veteran Gutters. He's a veteran himself, and he employs an entire staff of veterans. So a great way to honor our veterans. Get in touch with Brandon Porter because gutters, of course, the rainy season is coming, and you don't want that water coming off your roof just pounding into the foundation. So get it away from your house. Get some gutters on your house and get in touch with Brandon Porter of Veteran Gutters. And, of course, I mentioned Brandon owns the Platinum MVP team. We're going to take a look at some properties right now, even in this time of real estate scarcity. Brandon has some opportunities for you. Johnny, our TV producer, is going to throw something up on the screen for me. Here's one in Newport Ritchie. So if you're looking to get into the Newport Ritchie area, 5014 Pompano Drive. This is about 1,600 square feet, a 3-2 with a two-car garage, waterfront home with bay access, private dock, uh, deep water canal, updated kitchen, a uh, huge lot with pool and covered porch, circular drive, private community beach. Uh, they got a clubhouse with boat ramps as well right here in Newport Ritchie. So great opportunity, 5014 Pompano Drive. Get in touch with Brandon and the Platinum MVP team. Here's another one in Dade City. Boy, this is like a commercial opportunity. An established restaurant since 1990 in downtown Dade City. It's got a one-bedroom, one-bath apartment as well on property. So the sale will include the furniture and the equipment in the restaurant. Perfect entrepreneurial investment. Plenty of parking. If you want to start a restaurant in Dade City, Brandon is the one to get in touch with. 14121 7th Street in Dade City. Again, don't leave money on the table. Get in touch with Brandon Rimes and the Platinum MVP team. Check us out online at ConsumerQB.com. All right, Nick Shriver from Decorating Elves is right here in our Salem Media Group studios. And I've asked for this subject. Today's a a show that I've been asking for because one of the things, I got into TV years back, and over the time in television, the lighting has changed a ton. You know, when you used to work in television, as soon as you sat down on the set, you started to perspire. Those things were, those lights were killing you. Uh, lots of hot temperature, bright lights you could barely see. And then the, the revolution in lighting has been really profound in the last 20 years. And it provides some opportunities for you as a homeowner that you may not even be aware of. So, Nick, I know uh, I asked you a little bit about this, this light pollution, and you've come up with this movement for me. Tell me about it. So, James, thanks for having me. 
Uh, it's it's great to be here. And so there's there's a movement that's been going on for a while in 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 the industry, and it's called the Dark Sky Movement. And there's a society out there called the International Dark Sky Society that kind of is behind the movement. And their biggest thing that they try to do is it's a campaign, uh, education, uh, engineering, other things that help eliminate and reduce light pollution. Okay. okay. So one of the things they're trying to do is increase the number of stars that are visible in the night sky. They're trying to reduce the effect of electrical lighting in, in the outdoor environment. They're trying to improve the well-being, the health, and the safety of both people and the wildlife. They're trying to cut down on energy use. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right now is actually a really cool time to be bringing that up because towards the end of this week, April 22nd, it's actually Earth Day. Okay. Okay. And, uh, you know, there's a lot yeah. of things. That's one of those things where we say, oh, yeah, let's let's get back. Let's, like, remember our roots. For me, it, that's really just about enjoying the outdoor, the natural environment, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, we pick up a little bit. Of, you know, we recycle. We do these things that, sure. like, you know, these, these banner items. But it's enjoy the natural environment. And we're always talking about enjoying the outdoor environment, right. enjoying the outdoor rooms, enjoying the natural environment at night. So the International Dark Sky Movement actually has a week that starts on Earth Day, right? That starts on the 22nd, April 22nd, which is, which is Friday, and then it runs through the following week. And it's just basically where they're trying to bring awareness yeah. to what we would call light pollution sure. and what us lighting guys call glare, right? I'm sure most folks in the audience have, have realized uh, later on that, this, you know, I'm squinting or whatever it is. I don't think folks in an urban environment realize what the sky looks like when you're out in the country. Well- it's amazing to go out out of the and all of a sudden the stars feel like they're right on top of you. Yeah, it's well, I've never personally experienced that. I mean, I grew up in rural the rural Midwest, right? And yeah, you could see the night sky and it was pretty gorgeous. Uh, you know, and I live in a pretty urban suburban environment right. now. And listen, I mean, this morning was gorgeous. Yeah. It was yeah. as, as a beautiful day as you get in the Tampa Bay area, and we all know why we live here because it's amazing. It is, but there is a lot of um, light pollution. There is a lot of glare, and you know, as a lighting professional, as a lighting designer, we try to manage that glare and we try to reduce that glare when we're doing professional designs and professional installations. And there's some things that are re- just real simple, and glare can actually help create more safety. Right. Okay. And so somewhere, you know, we'll look at a photo here in a second where we're actually looking at um, the front of somebody's house. And we'll we'll see on the light side where we have a light fixture that's shielded and glare has been reduced. And then we'll look on the on the on the right side. So some examples where you can actually. Yeah. And actually in this photo that we look right here and I know that the listeners out there on the radio can't see the photo. But what the photo is, it's the front of someone's garage and there's a wall sconce on the left and a wall sconce on the right. And the wall sconce on the left is what we would call dark sky compliant. And basically it means it's shielded and the light is shining and pushing down and out. And there's actually a child hiding just behind the corner in the shadow. And you can see the child. And then on the right of the garage, same wall sconce, same area, same everything, except it's not shielded. It's just shining out. And we see that a lot of times from these lanterns Mm -hmm. with with the glare and the traditional thing. And it's really bright. It creates a lot of light. But there's a child hiding in the exact same spot on the right side yeah. of that garage, and you can't see that child, and that child's in the dark. I think a lot of people are unaware that the camera, when you have a camera and you see how the iris focuses on a camera, works on a camera, when you point your camera at the sun, it immediately squeezes, okay? So the amount of light entering that, it's the same thing the human eye does. It tries to protect your pupil from getting damaged. So when you turn your eyes toward the sun, they, they completely contract and try to eliminate that, that light from coming in. It's the same thing with artificial light. 
James, absolutely. And so one of the things we talk about on this show when we come on here a lot is the benefits. And so security is one of those big benefits. And to create security with lighting, you have to illuminate areas. But if you're looking right into a post lantern that's in the middle of your yard that's just glaring light everywhere – all you're seeing is that is that mm-hmm. light source, yeah. and then your eyes squint, right. and then they glare. And literally somebody, a nefarious or a good working person, could be hiding right behind that post mm-hmm. and be hidden in plain sight. Yeah. Right? I've seen law enforcement use those super strong flashlights, and they're kind of disabling. They're stunning. When you get hit right in the face with a beam of light that bright, you don't, you can't see anything. You it's can't blinding. see beyond them. Yeah, it's bright. And it's one of those things, too. Like, if you're out driving a highway on a, on a country road where it's dark, and then you got another car coming at you. If they don't reduce their lights, yeah. it shines right in your face for the next three or four seconds until you adjust. You could have an issue driving mm-hmm. or steering. So these are things that are called glare. And yeah, this 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 comes back to the dark sky movement. But one of the things that the international dark sky movement is trying to do is reduce glare. Glare is kind of like the villain right. in all of this, right? Uh, we us lighting guys like to joke about it, like, oh, that's a glare bomb, or or glare's the nemesis mm-hmm. of good lighting, and it really is. So they're trying to reduce glare, they're trying to cut that down, and so some of the ways that we do that is making sure that lights have a clear and useful purpose, right? And we're making sure that they're aimed correctly, they're aimed intentfully, that yeah. they're targeted, right? So lighting should be targeted at something that you want to intentionally light, that, and it should be aimed down if possible. If we can achieve good lighting by aiming it down from something above onto a lower surface we're actually gaining better use we're gaining um just a significantly better outcome from that lighting source right and then using low light levels so there's a misconception and led has really made this so much easy because now we're not using a lot of energy right there's a misconception that oh it should be brighter no Mm. really there should be more lighting and it should be a lot lower Right. So if we're able to be really picky and choose how we use lights and where we place them and be very intentional, which is what we do on our design service, right. right? You're able to actually get a significantly better, more aesthetic, more usable. We're also more dark sky compliant by using that instead of just grabbing one big light fixture yeah. and then just blasting it all over. Because everything. it's almost counterintuitive. In your mind, you're saying the brighter it is, the better it is, but actually you'll see better without that glare affecting your vision. In other words, eliminating the light you don't want and just lighting the subjects you do and using that uh, as a as a method for improving your vision, it's huge. It's not about more light. It's about better vision. Absolutely. And as the body ages, as we get older, and there, you know, when you're in your 20s, you can see everything. Mm-hmm. And as you grow, slowly grow in decades... It becomes significantly harder, and you need more light in there. Yeah. But the thing is, the transition between the dark and the light becomes longer. So having lower light levels, having them shaded, not having them glare is a big part of that. It's huge for, for anybody that's trying to illuminate the, the evening, enjoy those outdoor rooms, make right. things safe, make them secure, but also make them so they can be used invisible. Well, I want to confirm your theory about age and night vision because, man, I, I, I used to be great at playing softball at night. We go out all the time. I can't play the outfield like I used to because I, I just can't pick up the ball at night the way my eyes just aren't as good as they used to be at night especially. Well, absolutely. And, you know, that's something that I've actually crossed that path in the last year. I was trucking along really well. <laughs> and then one day, all of a forgot? sudden, I no, all of a sudden I couldn't <laughs> read anything up close. Yeah. So I'm, Father you know, time does not forget. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in my young forties and, and yeah. literally my wife looked at me the other day and goes, she goes, will you just get readers? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm too stubborn yeah, for that right holding now. Holding out. I'm too stubborn <laughs> for that right now. I'm holding out. 
Um, it's going to come, though, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, th- that's catching up because I've been doing this for 20 years, and yeah. I know where I was when I started. And then now I know I and, – and that's just part of the education. I've, I've been educated. I understand this. I know how, how to make it work for other people yeah. also. And, and hopefully even whether people are using a professional like myself or they're just going to be doing it on their own, hopefully when they go home this evening or after they watch this, they go out there and go, oh, maybe I should get something that's shielded. Maybe we should aim that towards the ground. Maybe I should look at putting something that's a little less glary so that it's more enjoyable. And it doesn't take a lot to do that. I mean, those are just simple little things that can happen. Some of the other big things that are really helpful are using controls. So, you know, a lot of times lighting will just go on when it gets dark and then go off when it gets light, which is great. That's mm-hmm. that's a simple control. It reduces energy. But if you're not, if you go to bed at midnight and you're not out there using it, like you should probably have it off, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, because a lot of times, and I live on a canal, and so I, my lights go off about 10, 1030. And it's really nice because now I can see through, I can see the water. And if the moon comes through, I can see some of the moon effects. And I get the opportunity every now and then to see a couple of stars um, because it's not crazy glary, but it's not like it is in other places. But yeah, so it's a lot of that's controlling that and making sure we're using lower light levels and just really automating it using technology that's available to to enhance enhance how we enjoy that, that, that space has become a lot smarter. I mean, uh, you walk through some of these new office buildings and the lights turn on when you come near them. They turn off when you leave the room automatically. They have a certain level during the based on the amount of ambient light coming into the building. They'll say, OK, if it's high noon, we, we our lights will run a little lower. So the smart side of this has allowed consumers to really have it automated in some ways. Well, it's extremely impressive what the technology does. If you're at the grocery store and you go through the frozen food section, those those containers like those those handled whatever mm-hmm. refrigerators, right. I guess is what they are. They'll light up as you approach them and then darken as you leave them. So if that technology is available there, I mean, we have some real simple stuff that Mm -hmm. you can just use at your residential home. And whether it's something that's app controlled or whether it's just on a regular timer, but it's really just a matter of being, um, you know, making those adjustments and making those settings. And then some people like that light to be on all night. And I get it because, you know, when you wake up in the middle of the night, you want to be able to see through the property. Mm-hmm. And when we do that with people and they want that, we what we do is we cut it down to basically 10% of the project okay. is lit. So instead of having 100% of that project run all night, we'll have the two lights that are furthest away from the house, all the way out in the far perimeter. Right. We'll have one or two in the foreground. So when they look out the backyard, they can see all the way through the property. They can tell if something's there that's not supposed to be there. And that's then it. that helps. Or they can tell that there's nothing there. And then they can feel comfortable and go back to sleep. So lighting theory, something you may not have considered, just why you light, what is the ultimate goal to see better? How can you achieve that? It's not just brightness. It's not just brightness. And it comes down to design. And people like like myself who spend their entire day, their entire year, I've spent 17 years learning this. Right. You know, we, we've got all that. And then I just educate everyone on my staff for that. I sit on the National Association that, that does training. And there's a lot of really high professionals that work in this industry that know how to make that look amazing and also how to cater to that human rhythm. Yeah, I think that is so cool. I can only imagine where the technology is going to go in the future. You know, when Nick comes on, we talk about the five benefits all the time. Just, you know, just improve your property with lighting, get greater value. But this, the the niches and the uniqueness, the things you can do design-wise, it's really become a space where you have a lot of options. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And so low light levels is something that we did talk about targeting, making sure that is. And then color is another big part of that. And when I say color, 
I'm really talking about like using warm white colors almost temperatures yes warmer temperatures right so yeah we've talked about rgb before which is red green blue uh when you're getting into the turtle thing you're talking about orange or amber to protect against animals thinking that is the sun or moon or whatever yes that's what that is and that's coming up here and we're gonna here in a future show when we get into that season i'm gonna dive deep into that for everyone but um warm is basically like a 2700 kelvin or a 3000 kelvin it's kind of what you would see on the box as a soft white, you know. So a 5,000 Kelvin starts to get into the heavy blue wavelength, and that tends to be a little more intense for the evening light. So it's really just about having warmer, softer, and and kind of just toning everything down yeah. a little bit. Well, I'm a big fan. Like I said, I learned a lot of uh, TV lighting was kind of my genesis for my lighting knowledge. But as I've gone out and been a fisherman at night, I've seen really cool docks where people use lights to try to attract fish or light mm-hmm. up their property. Same thing actually on boats in the ocean. They're sending different color lights into the water to try to create an environment. So the idea that these lights are available uh, and you can do lots of cool things with them with smart technology and the price has become reasonable for the average consumer, it's really a cool thing to invest in. The technology has really just gone it, – it, it's it's exponential in the last decade what's happened you yeah. know uh we came i came back and i started in in early 2000s with the halogen and you know that was growing and we were able to do a lot of things with that but the led technology yeah. and in in lighting is almost in the world of electronics now right yeah. it used to kind of be it was a filament and it was a bulb and it burned energy right. and now there's components and resistors and diodes and all kinds of things that are built into those components and, and the, the tech is really cool, and you're able to do a lot with it. Yeah. And now that we're able to do a lot with it, it's really important that we're educating the consumers and the end users and how that stuff gets applied to use that technology and, and de-myth right. some of the things that are happening. Because literally, Edison invented the light bulb, and whatever, that's people can argue that, but Edison invented <laughs> the light bulb, and then it didn't change for 100 years. That's true. And it kind of hung out, and, and then – halogen and then there were some small changes in the 80s and small changes in the 90s and then led made huge strides yeah. in the 2000s Exponential and growth. now that whole industry has just changed dramatically wow all right so nick shriver decorating elves he's coming he's going to be here we got fred muth coming up we got a feel-good story for you we're going to take a break right now when we come back we're going to visit more with nick we're going to get fred on the phone and we're going to talk to john paul genoa from designer cuts tree and lawn service and our feel-good story about this act of bravery i'm going to tell you all about it Sheriff's deputy in Colorado put themselves in harm's way for the safety of others. Don't go anywhere. This is the Consumer Quarterback. Hey, this is Grant Cardone, and you've been listening to the phenomenal Brandon Rhymes, the Consumer Quarterback Show. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-917-1894, online at ConsumerQB.com. here for Cleaning Commandos here on the Consumer Quarterback Show. Cleaning Commandos are hiring and they're offering competitive wages, flexible hours, relaxed atmosphere, and a sign-on bonus. Reach out if you'd like a career with the Cleaning Commandos here in Tampa Bay. Info at cleaningcommandosllc.com or call 813-750-0550. 813-750-0550. Cleaning Commandos, Consumer Quarterback Show. 
Hey, Brandon Rimes here. We are looking for real estate investors. We've got a new relationship bringing us a tremendous amount of off-market real estate investment opportunities. So text the word investor to our hotline, 813-750-0550. Off-market real estate investment opportunities. Text investor to 813-750-0550. Brandon Rimes here, Platinum MVP team at Keller Williams Realty. Looking for real estate investors. Send us a text. Have you desired more income and more freedom in your life? Now is your time. Keller Williams Realty has just launched our own real estate school, and you can get licensed for free. I'm Brandon Rimes, host of the Consumer Quarterback Show, owner of the Platinum MVP team at Keller Williams Realty. And for the first three people who reach out, I will personally coach you. 813-917-1894. Call or text 813-917-1894. ConsumerQB.com. ConsumerQB.com. You're listening to the Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. Online at ConsumerQB.com. That's right, ConsumerQB.com, a great resource for everyone listening to the program. Check out our expert contributors and our sponsors. You might run into one of our longtime expert contributors, Mr. Fred Muth from Tampa Screens and Aluminum. Fred, are you on the phone today? I am, but you make me sound like a very, very old man. I'm, I'm okay <laughs> with that. I'm okay with that. I'm still in good shape. I, I, I still go out and jog in the morning. And well, you college kids, you don't that. even sleep. College kids, they're too old. <laughs> All right, How Fred, you been? Haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, doing well, doing well. I, I have Nick Shriver from Decorating Elves. He does outdoor lighting, and I thought maybe you ran into a patio, a screen room, or a lanai that had an opportunity for some cool outdoor lighting. Nick and I spoke a couple of weeks ago. In fact, we're, we keep talking about getting together, going to lunch, but everybody's too busy to take lunch. So, Nick, <laughs> sooner or later, we're going to have to do that. Yeah. Um, I, love your, I love your product. I've seen your product. It's beautiful. It's, and it really enhances what we do. You know, we, we get them up there, and um, they look good from the outside, but they don't look as good from the inside until you show up and do your thing. There you go. Absolutely, Fred. You know, part of that's enhancing that outdoor room that you're creating through the screens. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We were both commenting on the temperature this morning. Pretty nice, huh? Oh yeah. Oh man, I'll tell you, I'll take this all day long. Yeah, Talk this... to me in July. I won't. I won't be so pl- so pleasant. No, this is where you got to have a screen room. No mosquitoes, and just get out there and feel that great temperature. That's right. Yeah, mosquitoes are our friends, so they keep us in business. <laughs> be careful. Be careful how you talk about. You're them. one of the few vendors who likes mosquitoes. That's right. I forgot. That's right. We need them. Hey, Fred, so tell me, what about your supply lines, your labor? Uh, we're going to take a break in about a minute, but I just wanted to tease this upcoming stuff. Okay, it's um, hypothetically, I think it's going to improve, okay. uh, and I'll explain that after the break, right. why I hypothetically think that. But right now, it's still an issue. Okay. Now, you, you were experiencing some material cost uh, escalation as a result of the uh, different supply line stuff. I suppose that takes a while to correct. Oh, the, the escalation of material prices is beyond, um, beyond where it should be. I, I think there's... Um, a lot of gouging going on, to be honest with you. And it shouldn't be like that in this industry. I've never seen it as bad as this. I, I talked to Richard. Richard's the owner. Richard and I, we go back about the same time period. And um, we've never seen anything so unreasonable when it comes to pricing for materials. And I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll 
I'll put the brakes on there. How's that sound? No, I understand completely. I imagine this is something where people have this idea. They want to add a pool. They want to screen in their pool, whatever they want to do. They come up with this idea. They want to start right now. And so when you've got to show up and say, hey, it's a great idea. I can build everything for you, but you've got to be patient. Well, patience, it's, number one, I'm not a very patient person myself, <laughs> so it's, it's difficult for me. Um, now, when your permit engineering permit process takes two to three months right. after you sell the job, and in, in that two to three months, what we've experienced is, 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 is hikes in material, mm-hmm. not necessarily in labor. Labor has gone up, but nowhere near as much. You know, as as the materials. We yeah. can talk later after the break. Absolutely. I, I'm looking forward to this one. After the break, Fred Muth, Tampa Screens and Aluminum, right here. We have Nick Shriver from Decorating Elves right here in studio. We've got some great information for you coming up because no one wants to live in Florida and not have a screen room. Are we going to be stuck in your house all day? That doesn't make any sense. Check us out online at ConsumerQB.com. You get to meet Fred and Nick at ConsumerQB.com. This is Chris Voss, former FBI lead hostage negotiator and owner of the Black Swan Group. And you're listening to Consumer Quarterback Show, hosted by my friend Brandon Rice. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-917-1894. Online at ConsumerQB.com. Listening to the Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes, online at consumerqb.com. Brandon is Tampa Bay's number one consumer advocate for real estate and financial advice. Call Brandon today at 813-917-1894. That's right. Give Brandon a call. You can check out all the properties that you hear pitched on the Consumer Quarterback Show. We've got a couple right here for you coming up right now. Johnny is our TV producer. He throws them up on the screen for you. I'm going to let you know about the real estate opportunities in the Tampa Bay area at 14663 Village Glen. This is in the Carrollwood area. Two-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, about 2,000 square feet, gorgeous and completely renovated. You know, an outdoor pool and kitchen. Covered lanai, speaking of Fred, an outdoor shower, master bath, features jacuzzi, tub, sauna, and tanning bed, and a gourmet-style kitchen was designed by local restaurateurs. So great opportunity in Tampa, 14663 Village Glen. What else you got, John? Here's one more in Tampa, 3008 North Nebraska. This is a 3,624-foot uh, square foot building. The price is recently reduced. It's six rooms, three bath. It's got a mixed-use building opportunity, so plenty of building and street parking in the Seminole Heights area. Approximate uh, proximity to 75 and I-4. Get to downtown and the Riverwalk really easy from there. Great opportunity in Tampa, 3008 North Nebraska Avenue. Get in touch with Brandon and the Platinum MVP team for any of these properties that you hear pitched on the show. All right, before the break, Fred Muth from Tampa Screens and Aluminum was telling us a little bit about the situation involving supply lines and labor and the things he deals with all the time, including permitting. And, and Fred, I know you've kept an eye on permitting for all of us down here. Give us a relationship. How's it been as opposed to the past? Where do you think it's how, – how, how long are your delays? Well, the permitting process is really not a lot different than it has been. Um, I think when I started in the business 30 years back, you know, it was three weeks you get a permit and then things are rolling at that point. Now it's two to three months just about everywhere you go. Not only um, – the, the permit process also includes the, the required site-specific sign-sealed engineering. And um, – that's required on every job. When I got into the business way back when, that was not required. There was in-house engineering. We used that so we didn't lose the time frame. 
waiting for an engineer to sign and seal our projects. And you, so that's do you feel obviously the various jurisdictions have different wait times? Is there one you want to mention as being doing a great job or someone lagging behind? In reality, um, they're all pretty close at this point. Uh, I, I think I have the longest delay in Hillsborough County outside of the city of Tampa right now. And, uh, and they're, they're, they're 12 weeks, no matter what I do. It's not typically they are 12 weeks. It's once we get the engineering back, it's 8 to 12 weeks after we get the engineering back and get the, the application in. City of Tampa is typically a little faster. Um, but the city of Tampa has what, what I would call some very well-respected restrictions that uh, not a lot, lot of the other municipalities have. For example, uh, I always make the statement that the city of Tampa, they like their oak trees more than they like their taxpayers. And they're, they're, they're extremely particular about uh, how close you get to an oak tree on any project. And I, I, realistically, it's a very good idea. I am not uh, an advocate of destroying root systems on trees, especially when a tree is 150 feet in the air. Right. And, and it's got it's got what I root systems, I call them legs. It's got them legs kicking out 20, 30 feet. Uh, in Hillsborough County, there, there's there been notorious situations where the county has come along where these, these trees are alongside of the road, and they'll come out and they'll chop the roots. And they'll take the legs out of one side of the tree. And realistically, um, you know, four or five months later, in a windstorm, that tree goes over. Right. And so I, I don't agree with that. Where I do agree with that, with the city of Tampa, for you know, having total respect for the trees and the root systems. Yeah, I've always um, been impressed by your approach to the waterway, uh, Fred. You know, anyone down here that pours concrete needs to realize we get a lot of rain. The water that used to go into the ground right there now is running somewhere. And I've always thought, man, Fred does a great job of making sure before he takes on this big project, where's the water going to go that we're going to displace? Well, that's, that's really a very good concern. And, and the city of Tampa, they have, as far as I know, it hasn't changed yet. They have what's called a 25% green space uh, rule where you have to allow at least 25% of green space on any property. And you have to realize that these postage stamps parcels uh, are a certain size, maybe a quarter of an acre, and, and then they put uh, maximum square footage of driveway, home, uh, and yeah. then uh, possibly a small and eye on the back. I may only have uh, maybe there may be 35 percent green space left, and then the, the homeowner wants another 900 or a thousand square foot of a slab on the back. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. And, hey, and hey, Fred, know, before we get any further, I have a question for you. How do pavers uh, do they fall into the same category as pouring a slab? The answer is yes and no, and I don't like to use that answer, but I'll explain further. <laughs> well, that's um, why we got you on. Yes, they do if you use a water-permeable paver. There okay. is a water-permeable product that will allow the water to penetrate, and, and that carries a different set of rules than concrete or standard pavers. Standard pavers typically have a certain amount of, of, of water, water permeability. Let me see if I can get this right. Permeability. Okay. Man, that was a tough one. They it. have a certain amount because the water will penetrate down between the pavers, providing that there's a, um, a base of uh, either crushed concrete or, uh, or shell or something like that. Um, but the, the 100% water permeable pavers allows the water to penetrate down and continue to go down to the aquifer, which is a great idea. Um, what I don't like about water permeable pavers is as the water continues to pull down, um, basically the, them water permeable pavers, they can begin to sink with yeah. the ground. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, a, that's almost guaranteed at some point. 
Well, that's why I feel like your your uh, responsibility in terms of managing water is so critical. We have these these uh, folks that have uh, a sinkhole open up, and that will scare you to death as a homeowner. So you need to really understand where your water is and where it's going. Absolutely, you know the state of Florida is very unique based on the fact that we you know we we live on top of an aquifer, and and our, every 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 driver eventually makes its way down to the aquifer, and it takes ground with it. Right. Um, so that's why the stability of the ground matters. Um, the elevations of any project, any any type of construction project, the elevations are very, very important. Uh, I, I've walked away from jobs where, you know, I, I look at the homeowner and their faces very upset because I basically say I can't help you with this project based on your ground elevations. And, you know, I'm not going to sell something that I know is wrong. And, and, and basically, somebody else may come in there and do it because I've Seen well, that yeah, in if, the you, past, if you drive you through know. South Tampa on a really rainy day, you'll see that not everyone has thought ahead and planned where that water is going to go because your car can barely navigate some of the streets down there. I, yeah, I, I think the highest elevation. I'm going to take a wild shot. I think the highest elevation is 10 to 12 feet above above sea level, and I think that's like the mean elevation. And uh, you know, when it rains hard and the and the tide is up, the water can't go anywhere, and it ends up. You know, staying in the driveway, staying in, the, you know, I mean, basically yeah. go down Lois Avenue. They're trying to correct that. There's a big um, project on the way right now where, where it's in process to attempt to correct it. It's not going to be 100 percent of a correction, but it's going to be a much well needed um, advanced correction to, to the existing problem. Yeah, I've, I've, and, but either way, no matter what you say, you know your 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 water table's high, and that's that. And the city of Tampa, you know, South Tampa's low, so mm-hmm. it's going to be wet. Right. I got one right now where where um, customers wanting uh, additional concrete work poured in the backyard, and I'm basically telling them I can't do it. I'm going to kill you. Right. I'm going to. I say that specifically, meaning I'm. I'm, I'm you're not going to be very happy with me if I pour more concrete back there because there's nowhere for that water to go. That's it. So make sure you get a contractor like Fred Muth who thinks ahead and make sure he's seen all the possibilities that might evolve. Fred, can you hold on through the break? I sure can. All right, so we're going to take a break. I got uh, Nick Shriver still in studio with Fred Muth, Tampa Screens Aluminum, on the phone. We're going to bring John Paul Genoa, designer, cuts, lawn, and tree into the conversation. Don't go anywhere. Plus, a feel-good story about an amazing act of bravery from a deputy using their own vehicle to stop a wrong-way driver. I'm going to tell you all about it. This is the Consumer Quarterback. This is Warwick Dunn, and you're listening to the Real Estate Quarterback Show, hosted by my man, Brandon Rhymes. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-917-1894, online at ConsumerQB.com. Ian Beckles here with my man, Brandon Rhymes, a.k.a. the Real Estate Quarterback. Brandon, what's happening with the market? Thanks, Ian. Any of our listeners out there, we'll offer you a 2% listing for the first three callers that reach out to the hotline, 813-917-1894. Call or text the hotline, 813-917-1894. Also, a great opportunity for folks out there looking for a part-time gig, maybe a side hustle, is Keller Williams Real Estate School, powered by Kaplan. Reach out if you'd like more information on how we have a free real estate school for you. Online class, get licensed, and start referring business in, or maybe make a new career. 813-917-1894, ConsumerQB.com, or our syndicated radio and TV show on 80 outlets worldwide, ConsumerQB.com, or our real estate website at PlatinumMVPTeam.KW.com. That's PlatinumMVPTeam.KW.com. And please follow us online at Brandon Rhymes one 
on Instagram, Twitter, Gitter, and check out our YouTube channel, Brandon Rhymes Realty. Make it a great day. My name is James DeJerome, and I produce the Consumer Quarterback Show for Brandon Rhymes. The Consumer Quarterback Show is a team, a group of like-minded professionals who partner together to provide our audience sound advice, knowledge, and information to make them wiser consumers. We work with all types of business owners and aggressively promote our local economy. We're currently conducting interviews for our expert contributors. If you own a business or know someone who would benefit from the exposure our show provides, please contact us at 813-750-0550 or online at ConsumerQB.com. You're listening to The Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. Online at ConsumerQB.com. That's right, Consumer Quarterback, the ConsumerQB.com website, a great place for you to check out all our sponsors and our uh, expert contributors. One of the things Brandon really uh, makes a point of doing every show is the positive story that we do called our feel-good story. And I've got an amazing act of bravery from a deputy here I want to mention. Uh, a sheriff's deputy in Colorado bravely put himself in harm's way for the safety of other drivers. Uh, just after 11 p.m. last night, we received a request from Colorado State Patrol for emergent assistance for a wrong-way driver on I-70. Now, uh, unfortunately for us, our area has had a few of these incidents with wrong-way drivers. I couldn't imagine how horrible that would be to be on the interstate. Could you imagine a car coming at you the same way? Just stunning. So this deputy says uh, the impact, this deputy bravely put himself in his vehicle in harm's way ahead of stopped vehicles to intercept the oncoming vehicle, allowed himself to be struck so the other vehicles would not be hit. The impact pushed both vehicles over 140 feet and uh, stopped right in front of a semi-truck. Thankfully, neither the deputy, the driver, nor anyone else on the interstate suffered any major injuries. Uh, again, it, the post, they posted this to Facebook, all the comments. Amazing, this deputy no doubt put his life on the line to protect others. What an amazing act of bravery. Oh, my goodness, this is what I'm talking about. We hear so much about officers doing the wrong thing, but this right here needs to be shared. So I just want to call that out and make sure everyone's aware of what some of our uh, law enforcement our community are doing out there. And that's an amazing act of bravery to put yourself in front of a wrong-way driver. Hopefully... We'll see an end to this wrong-way driver stuff going on any anywhere around the world. It's an amazing, terrible thing that goes on. All right, Fred, before the break, we were talking a little bit to you, and you had mentioned that you had somebody uh, cut the roots off a tree. And right now, uh, John, are you there? Yes, I am, sir. How's it going? <laughs> hey, John owns Designer Cuts. He's kind of a new partner for us. You've been on once before, right, John? Yes, sir. What, what, is, what, does that hap- what happens to a tree when you cut the roots like that? Well, you're giving up on the root system on, on the one side, like Fred was saying. Um, you, you can do it just depends on the, you know, uh, how far away from the tree it is. Sometimes when you're getting closer to the tree and taking the root system away, um, it's not good to take the root system away. There is something called root pruning. You can go ahead and root prune, like put pavers or, or whatever you need to put down. Sometimes people are building houses and we go out to Tampa because they're going to set the poles in the ground. So we have to go ahead and root prune wherever they're going to set the pilings in the ground. It can be done, but like he was saying, it is not good to be done to the tree because these big 100-foot oaks, you give out on one side of their uh, their root span, a nice hurricane comes through or something, it's going to put that, it's going to put that, that oak, any tree, oak tree, any tree, it's going to put on the ground. I know, John, you gave some great advice last time about locating your trees proximal to buildings. I imagine, Fred, when you go out and try to spec out somebody's uh, lanai or their patio or whatever, you've got to be aware of the distance from those roots. Absolutely. That's the first thing that I do is measure from the tree. That What I do, there's a matrix that I have to follow. For example, uh, if the base of the tree 
at 42 inches high exceeds, I believe, I don't know how the matrix in front of I think if it exceeds 30 inches, I've got to be 15 feet from that tree. No questions asked. Hey, John, yep. is, that, is that something you've run into where they're, they're just too close? Yep, definitely. Now, if they are too close and, you know, and they are starting to cause depends on where the tree is starting to cause problems with the house. Let's say the customer is going to put a nice concrete pad in the back and he's got an oak tree right next to the house and it's starting to cause root damage and he's going to go ahead and put structure down and the tree's in a bad spot. Maybe it might have a disease. Then instead of just doing root pruning, we go ahead and get a permit and take the whole tree out, stump grind the whole thing and then lay the pad. A lot of cases you can't do that because the tree might be in perfect shape right off the back of the house. No root problems. No disease, no derma, nothing like that. So you can't go ahead and take that down. You would have to deal with maybe putting your pad on the other side of the house or not having a pad at all. John, talk um, about how you you employ a professional arborist just for that kind of thing. Yes, I have a I have a professional arborist that works on my team. He'll come out to your house. Um, he'll assess the tree and he'll tell you exactly what it needs. Whether it needs root pruning, whether they tell you you know the tree is a little old, it's got some problems. Whatever the problems may be, every tree is different. And or your tree might be healthy, and he's going to tell you the God's honest truth. Um, I he charges a fee to come out um, on something like that. I think right. it's a hundred and fifty bucks, I believe it is. Um, I can always come out too as a free estimate. This is free, and I pretty much know what the arborist knows. So if a homeowner calls me out, I can give them a free estimate and give them advice. But if they go ahead and go with my advice, I always have my arborist make sure my advice is you know, the exact same, which basically it is. I've been doing it 11 years, so I kind of don't miss a beat off of what he wants. So he just has to make the final say so, and he has to see the job before it is done. So if you're going to be removing a, a tree, he has to see that tree before that tree can come down, and he has to, you know, do paperwork on that tree, DBA size. So it all stays in his file just in case the city of Tampa or whatever city you're in comes. Then you go ahead and call the tree company. They they, they send an email over to the the, the city arborist from our local arborist. Okay, you know, we talked in the past about how, how impressed I was with some of these giant oaks and how you guys uh, set up your your rope relay to drop those pieces. Those sections are so heavy. If you think of a typical oak tree, uh, a section that's only four or five feet long can weigh a, a, an awful lot. Is that right, John? Yeah, it just depends on the tree. I mean, I've had four four foot sections weigh forty five hundred pounds. I mean, coming from bark, not from the base. So it just depends on what it is and. We usually when we get into the bigger wood, we like to bring the crane. Yeah. Um, but when it gets into the smaller wood, yeah, we do a lot of rigging. You know, we put pulley points like today. Uh, we have a we have a house um, with a tree, and it's going right next to a pond. So we have a we have a rope system that we set up over the pond, and we sl- and we send them like a almost like a zip line. We hook a zip line, cut the branch, and a zip line right over the pond, right to the trailer. So it just. This is all amazing work. You got to go ahead and you know figure out your ropes and have guys yeah. on your ropes, and we get we get it done safely. Man, I, I'm telling you, it's a, when I watched it, it reminded me of building the pyramids or something. When they show the people pulling the rope, moving the big stones, I was like, man, this is awesome. Yeah, it's something else. Hey, John, let me ask you: Have you ever gotten a job where you got to trim a tree and someone has strung lights? Their Christmas lights are still all on the branches and all over the tree. Oh yes, definitely. <laughs> I got a guy here that you can recommend next time you run into that. Uh, Nick, tell him, tell him how you do better than just leaving your Christmas lights wrapped around the trees all year. Well, well it's not good. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, if, 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 if the Christmas lights are in there, I would say just go ahead and cut them out. We'll take them out when they hit the ground. Uh, but, you know, sometimes people put those really nice down lights or those moon lights or something like that. Then, yeah, we should come get those out first. 
and uh, get those down and then let them do their work and go to town on that. Yeah. So I, I, I hate when Christmas lights are in the tree, to be honest with you, because um, you can cut them out, but sometimes they like to get jammed up in your saw, and then you got wire wrapped around yeah. your, your spindle. So, and, and the good thing is to take them out of the tree because it starts to grow around the tree, and then it'll put that tree into some kind of shock. It might be any type of disease it can cause it because it's not healing properly around it, so a bug might get into it and start eating away the tree. Uh, it's not good to leave your Christmas lights. You put them up on your, in December, you take them down January 1st. We'll do better than that. We'll let Nick do it. He'll put them up and take them down. How about there you this? go. How about, uh, John, when it comes to uh, working on the trees and you have things, not necessarily lights, but things that the tree can grow around. Can all trees, like an oak tree, I've seen seen people leave, I don't know, a tire hanging or something like that, and the tree actually grows around it. Uh, when yep. that happens, is that something that, is the tree ill? Is it sick? Or do you have to cut that out? What do you do? I mean, it will... It won't get ill. It can get ill. It's going to get a cavity from it because it's not supposed to be there. So it'll start, it'll start growing around it. Um, it can get ill, but I'm not going to say it does get ill. It just depends on where the rope is or the chain is or right. the situation or the situation that it is in. And, and that's, will all trees do that or is that just common with oak trees? Because I have a cherry. Yeah. I told you about that cherry all- laurel I got that's crazy back there. All all trees will do that with you. Uh, okay. It just it, it just if, if it has tightness on the tree, it's going to start growing around it. And now, if it's loose on the tree, I've seen them tend not to because you know it's swiveling around and moving around. Right. But if you tie it real tight to the tree and leave it there for some years, it's going to start growing around it. So if you have a kid swing or something and you just use a chain and you got it wrapped around a branch, sooner or later it's going to embed itself. Yep, definitely. Yeah, I've seen that happen. Now, we've got some invasive species down here of trees that, that you handle differently than others. What I told you about the cherry laurel, I thought was – I couldn't imagine how uh, you deal with it because it just grows. and I can't kill the thing. What are – any other species out there that we deal with as Floridians that, that are invasive or trouble? Right. Well, we have there's – a, there's a lot of them, to be honest with you. If I got to say names, we'll be here for a day. But there is a lot of trees. Um, what is the uh, – I just – how many trees in the back backyard? They're, they're invasive. They're called meachers. I don't know if you guys ever heard of them. Hmm. They're invasive. Um, they are a nasty tree. So when you go to cut maybe a little bit into it, no matter how bad, big the branches, they just start to snap. They are bad to have around a house because in high winds they like to snap. Um, and that, that's the reason why we did it. Um, they had, We had a rainstorm, I think it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago. We had bad rains over here. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we that I took the whole tree and snapped it in on half on the back of the lady's house. I'll be uploading p- photos of that on my uh, Facebook so we can see it maybe next time they're in. But yeah, them trees are bad. Yeah, I've heard of uh, lots of invasive. I've even heard one that gives you a headache, uh, Malaluca or something. There's a there's a now, tree. Malaluca trees. Yeah, that's another that's another one. We took a bunch of them down last week, which those are already up on my uh, profile on my Facebook as well. Malaluca trees. We took four four of them down in the backyard as well. Those are nasty suckers right there. Yeah, I hear, I've heard people say that sometimes they're unaware and they're using it for firewood and they're getting incredible headaches or making themselves yep, sick. Get, get you sick. Yeah, you cannot burn that wood. And another thing to not burn is the camphor, camphor trees. They make Vicks Vapor Rub out of camphor trees. No kidding. Start, yeah, so you start burning that wood, it is a nasty smell. Now, John, where do you go? Are you just Hillsborough, Pasco, or where, I mean, uh, Pinellas as well? Where do you go? I'm I'm everywhere. To be honest with you, I am in Orlando right now, taking a tree down. No kidding. Is it yes, a big I one? Am. What do you got going on? Oh, uh, we got two removals next to a house and uh, trimming the side elevation 
well, once the once the trees start growing over the houses, the insurance likes to try to cancel the, the homeowner. So we go ahead and clean them back over the house so no branches are over the house. And uh, we'd usually do that for the insurance companies. Oh, man, I, I tell you, that's a really cool job. I want to bring the guys back. We're kind of wrapping up the show, give everyone a chance for a final thought. Nick, you told us some great information today about the dark sky moving. Any, anything you want to hit for maybe 30 seconds or so? Yeah, I was just going to add that there's actually a uh, – Florida State Park right here. It's about two hours from here. The Kissimmee Prairie Preserve State Park was recognized as Florida's first dark sky park by the International Dark Sky. They have uh, basically campsites. You can camp overnight. And they also have, what get this, astronomy pad sites. Nice. So for super stargazers, you can go out there. You can set your gear up. You can basically camp all night and check out the stars. Man, that is fun. I told you, it makes such a big difference when you're outside of that urban lighting. To the, like the stars feel like they're right on top of you. Really cool. All right, Fred, what else? What's going on with you? We got about thirty seconds, Fred. Well, you know, my closing statement always is: uh, no, no matter what project that you're bidding, uh, please, as a homeowner, continue to ask questions throughout the project. We appreciate the questions because you know if we miss something and a customer covers it, there's no surprise on the back end. Um, there are some contractors that really, you know, they, they don't like to answer questions. They feel like they have to keep it too simple. It's construction. You don't keep it simple. Please continue to ask the questions. Make sure that everybody's on the same page so that when this project's done, customer's happy, Tampa Screens is happy, and I'm happy. That's right, Fred. How about you, John? Any, any advice? or How do people get in touch with you? What's the best way? People get in touch with me on uh, either Google, Facebook, I'm a lot of word of mouth, designer cut lawn and tree service. So they can look me up anywhere and get my number, give me a call. I'm free. I come out, take a look at your property, assess the job, and we go ahead and take care of it from there. Well, I want to thank everybody for coming in. Nick Shriver, Decorating Elves, Fred Muth, Tampa Screens and Aluminum, John Paul Genoa, Designer Cuts Lawn and Tree Service, another great consumer quarterback show. I want to thank Brandon for developing the show and giving me the opportunity to host when he's away. And please go to our YouTube page and check us out. You know, you get to see the show, check out some of the expert contributors, all our partners. This is the Consumer Quarterback. You've been listening to the Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rimes. Whether it's real estate, consumer, or financial advice, let Brandon call your next play. Call Brandon Rimes at 813-917-1894. That's 813-917-1894. Online at ConsumerQB.com. And join us next time for the Consumer Quarterback Show. 